What is up? Happy Friday. Welcome to Couch Potato Diary. Fighting in football today, baby. Uh, which is a good excuse to not talk about the Blue Jays. If you have any thoughts on the show, you can send them my way on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PK. You can email the show at CouchPotatoDiary at yahoo.com. The music that you hear is provided by Wasted Talent. So we got some football to start. We got some fighting stuff to close out the show today as we get ready for week four of the National Football League. Um, one of the things I was looking at as kind of a theme of the week, as we get ready here for week four, there are a couple of cases where there's a difference between being improved and being great. A couple of examples, and we'll get into them as the, the games go along as well, but Carolina is good but Dallas is objectively better. And this is one where I don't want to get too hung up on the, the calls made at the beginning of the season saying like, hey, this Carolina team is going to be improved. Uh, right now, Dallas is playing like a better football team. This is an interesting test for Carolina, but Dallas is playing like the better football team. San Francisco, I have them to win their division, but that is based on strength of schedule. One of the games that goes against the weaker strength of schedule is this Sunday against Seattle. And there were a couple times, oh, well, I I liked San Francisco more than Seattle coming into the season. It's, well, that wasn't based off of how would these teams do if they faced each other 17 times on a neutral site. It was based on a number of different factors. Now, do I like San Francisco as a team more than Seattle? Maybe. <laughs> There's a lot of injuries in San Francisco right now. But one of the things that I... I, I always kind of catch myself on is, well, I'm high on this team and I was kind of down on this team. It's like, well, that doesn't mean like power rankings wise that the one is still ahead of the other. It's just you're happier where this team is at than where the other one is at. So that was kind of a theme I noticed as I was going along. So let's start things off. It is the Giants taking on New Orleans. My pick is Saints minus seven and a half. All these numbers might be a little bit different by the time uh, you are seeing them, but this is just what I had to work with. I might go out and try to buy a point to, to get under the key number of seven, but as we have said, the Saints are good enough to beat bad teams. The Giants are a bad team. I, this defense is okay, but I do think that the New Orleans defense is good enough that they are going to give Daniel Jones and this offense a ton of issues. And the Giants are banged up offensively. I think New Orleans is good enough that they're going to be able to pull ahead in this game. Like I said, depending on what the price is going to look like, you might try to get under that key number of seven if you buy a point, but overall, I don't mind it. In terms of a daily fantasy play, as we just talked about, they're one of the pricier defenses of the week, but I love New Orleans at 3,800. It just feels like such a cake matchup to me. Um, I feel pretty confident going in with that one. Philadelphia at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, going pretty easy on this one. Kansas City minus seven. I don't think Philadelphia's offense is good enough to take advantage of the Kansas City defense. And I think Kansas City's offense can definitely take advantage of the Philadelphia defense. So I like Kansas City in this matchup here. Um, and there's actually quite a few this week that I, I really like. Um, and, and it's not just, well, if I had to make a play, it's this one. There's a couple where it's like, yes, I appreciate this one. That being said, the daily play on this one for me is Devonta Smith at 5,700. Kansas City, 28th in the league against wide receivers in daily scoring. I think if Philadelphia gets anything, Devonta Smith is going to be the one to do that. So seems like a, a decent bargain. I, it, probably one that doesn't make it into my lineup, but one that I am looking at. 
Houston at Buffalo. The Bills are 17-point favorites. Vegas is all in on Buffalo. They were just looking for one reason to believe in the Bills, and that is it. Um, my pick on this one, I'm going to put the Bills in a tease to get them down to minus 10. This, The line being so huge does feel like a touch of an overreaction. However... This is still going to be one-way traffic the whole way. Uh, I, I think Buffalo absolutely dominates in this one. From a DraftKings perspective, Houston's going to be down early. Brendan Cooks has been a sure thing so far this year, and I'm going to go with him in this one. The game that I'm perhaps most interested in is one we talked about at the top, and that is Carolina at Dallas. My pick on this one is under 52.5. I actually think both defenses are pretty good. In this matchup, I, I don't think this is going to be one of those wild, wild west shootouts that Vegas is anticipating. I, I think that Dallas's defense is kind of legit, and I think Carolina's defense is kind of legit. I, I think there are going to be some points. We might be sweating out this under, but I, I, I like the under on this one. And because of that, there wasn't really a daily play that I loved. Ezekiel Elliott at 6,500 seems like pretty good value for a guy who still can be one of the best running backs in the league. You guys know one of my favorite things is going against the Minnesota Vikings. I think Cleveland minus two is insulting to the Cleveland Browns. And I know they have some guys banged up on offense and Minnesota looked pretty good against Seattle's defense last week, but Seattle's defense is not very good. I, I think this is a wild overreaction on Minnesota. And the Vikings just seem like one of those teams that the second it starts to go well, people really just want to believe that. I, I am not in that camp on the Vikings at all. I don't think this is a very good thing, a uh, very good team. Even on the road, I like Cleveland minus the two points. And in DraftKings, Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be on every ticket of mine this week. At $5,800, he is the main option there. He balled out last week. I think he's going to have another good week this week. So I like Odell Beckham Jr. in this spot. Indianapolis on the road against Miami. This is a this is a tricky one. The, the line is at two, and I feel very comfortable with, like, that That seems like a good spot for it to be. Like, I, I don't know if either of these, these teams separate from the other. Th this is a desperation game for both. Both of these teams need this game. Uh, I'm going with Miami minus two. I just, like I said before, I just think Indy's bad. And Brissett looked at least competent enough. They probably should have won that game against the Raiders. And while I'm not big on the Raiders... Vegas is still better than the Colts, so yeah, I, I like Miami to win this one at home. And for DraftKings, I like Will Fuller. It's more of a tournament play. If you're looking for a bit more of the home run type of a swing, uh, I think Will Fuller, he just missed a couple of big plays against the Raiders. Maybe got held up on an interference call. Who's to say? Do watch the practice report. He was limited yesterday after not practicing on Wednesday. That seems like he is trending in the right direction, but just be aware of that. Tennessee taking on the Jets. The Titans are seven-point favorites, at least at the time I saw them. They have some injuries on the offensive side that may bring this number down a little bit. I'm teasing this number down into a pick'em. Again, that Titans offense is banged up. The Jets are quite bad. I just worry about going all in on the, the Tennessee Titans. I think Derrick Henry obviously has a massive game, but if you're looking for a DraftKings value, Tennessee's defense gave Swain all different kinds of room against Seattle. I think Corey Davis is going to be able to take advantage of the secondary. I like Corey Davis in this spot at $5,000. 
Detroit taking on Chicago. This is another one on the teaser card. I'm teasing Detroit to plus 10. I don't have confidence in either side, and I don't. I certainly don't have confidence that Chicago is going to be able to blow them out in this game. So I, I like teasing it to the plus 10. I think this will be a one-possession game either way. Uh, David Montgomery at 5,800 is my DraftKings play. Down week for him last week. I kind of think they get it figured out. If you are loading up on skill position players, Lions at $2,200 isn't the worst defensive play you could make. It might end up being close, but I, I think that, I think Chicago's offense is just not great. And so if you want to, if you want to take a real home run swing in other spots, I, I think that's an interesting spot to try to save some money. Washington taking on Atlanta. I'm going with the under at 47 and a half. I, I think that Washington's defense is now starting to get underrated a little bit. I think Atlanta's offense is just bad. And I think Washington's offense is going to have a few struggles in this one. So I, I like the under 47 and a half on that. For DraftKings, J.D. McKissick was very active in the past game last week. We know that Daily Fantasy is PPR. J.D. McKissick coming in at $5,000. I think pretty good value there. The Rams taking on Arizona. I think this is the week that Arizona finds out that there are levels to this game. I think the Rams are the best team in football right now. And I think Arizona is on the come up. But A, I think Sean McVay is going to coach circles around Kingsbury. And I think that the, I, I just, I don't think Arizona is in the Rams league just yet. Trav Kings play, I like to give you the value picks. Instead, I'm going with one of the most expensive guys on the board because Cooper Cup is just too good to not have on there. Seattle taking on San Francisco. I went back and forth on this one so much because again, the reason I like San Francisco coming into the season isn't because I thought they were miles ahead of everyone, although I thought with everyone getting healthy, maybe they would have a boost and then everyone got hurt again. But Seattle has just struggled so much. And the big one for me is Kirk Cousins was able to control the shit out of the ball against Seattle. So I think Kyle Shanahan's offense is going to be able to do the same. I think Seattle, um, sorry, I think San Francisco ends up covering this one with the three points. For DraftKings, he's the third highest tight end on there, but $5,900 for George Kittle still seems like pretty good value if he is healthy and out there. Green Bay hosting Pittsburgh. I've said it before. The Steelers are done. Um, I think Green Bay kills them. Give me the, the Packers minus seven. I have no problem with that. And I like the Packers defense in Daily Fantasy on that one as well. Baltimore heading into Denver. My pick is Baltimore minus the one point. Denver is good, and that home field advantage is a motherfucker. But I don't think they're this good. I, I think, again, this is where we see that maybe... Denver is being placed in a tier that's a bit too high going up against this Baltimore Ravens team. I also like the under at 45. I think this ends up being a, a close defensive battle kind of along the lines of Baltimore against Detroit. Now that does concern me a little bit, but I think that has also brought this number down. I think that that was just a bit of an underestimation from Baltimore against Detroit. And as we've talked about before, this Detroit team is going to make you work. And I think that was a bit of a wake-up call for Baltimore in a potential letdown spot. So I, I think they're able to bounce back with a big win against Denver here. And the DraftKings play, this is another one that is on every one of my cards. It is Noah Fant at $4,300. I think that's incredible value. Baltimore struggled against the tight end this year. 
albeit against a couple of the best tight ends in the league, but I think Noah Fant has an opportunity to move into that category. So I like Noah Fant in this spot. Sunday night football, Tampa Bay taking on New England. I think the Bucks kick the shit out of the Patriots. I don't think this one ends up being very close at all. I, I think Tampa Bay crushes them. So I like Tampa Bay minus seven. This might be one where if I've had a decent day, I might look at some of the alternate lines to see where can I get plus money? on Tampa Bay in this one, because I think they are going to annihilate New England. I just think it's a bad matchup. When you look at what the Patriots want to do, it, they want to do the kind of short ball control passing game and run the ball. No one runs the ball against Tampa Bay. I just can't imagine Mac Jones throwing 50 times and having success, even against a banged up secondary of Tampa Bay. So I, I just, I think this is going to be an absolute massacre. And because of that, it's not a value, but I like Tom Brady as the DraftKings quarterback at 7,200. Monday Night Football. It is the Chargers taking on the Raiders. I like the Chargers minus three, only giving up three points at home. And I get it's not the best home field advantage, but this feels like a gift from a, a Chargers perspective. Again, this is another one. I think the Raiders are good. I think the Chargers are great, and I think there's a gap here. I think the Chargers win this one, and I think there's some pretty good value on Keenan Allen at 6,800. So, there we go. Those are the pick per game that we do every week on the National Football League. Moving into the CFL, a couple of interesting games coming up on Saturday. You have Hamilton taking on Montreal, and you have Saskatchewan on the road here in Calgary. We'll start with Hamilton. They are getting healthy now. They have Jeremiah Masoli going to be starting at quarterback, you have Banks and Addison who are coming back at the receiver spot. They released um, Davier Posey just a couple of days ago. And I think that this is an interesting time and a very key time for Jeremiah Masoli. Because in his absence, this team went 4-1. and one. Now, in the two games that he lost as a quarterback, it was against Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. And as we've talked about before, that's the adult table in the CFL. Masoli needs to prove that he can get Hamilton into that spot because they were supposed to be there and they are still leading the, the the East with the injury issues that they have had. I think that if you told people Hamilton was going to be without Masoli for a good chunk of the year, Brandon Banks for a couple of weeks and Braylon Addison for a couple of weeks, that this was going to be a team that had some problems. And instead, here they are first in the East, taking on a Montreal team that wants to be in that neighborhood. And they, they haven't found the consistency this season to prove that they belong there. But I think this is an interesting spot. So this is another one of those where I think we learn a lot about both of these teams this week. And this is a chance for Hamilton to kind of prove that they belong in that top tier in the CFL. Saskatchewan taking on Calgary. Had the piece up on 3Down Nation this week about Craig Dickinson saying that this is the toughest matchup of the year for Saskatchewan. It's not. It's not by a long shot. Um, that That's clearly Winnipeg. I understand what he's saying. He's not going to go out there, oh yeah, we're going to shit kick him this week. Like that's not what he's saying either. Now, there's a bit of space between those two, but I understand at least what he was doing. The holdup for Saskatchewan, and the thing that gives you a bit of pause, is A, Calgary is getting so many bodies back. You look at the in and out on the, the, the depth chart, and it's lengthy on the Calgary side of things. So they're getting a number of guys back. Saskatchewan getting A.C. Leonard back, I think, is going to be a key to this game for that Saskatchewan defense. That's been all right. Um, the, it's not Winnipeg, but they, they've been pretty good. The thing that I keep having trouble with from a fully getting behind Saskatchewan thing. Calgary is elite coming off of the bye. 
the 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 thing is though I'm still having a tough time wrapping my head around the fact that this is not the Calgary of old, right? Like that this is not the the Stampeder dynasty of the last decade, that this is a, a team that has some flaws. And I, I don't think coming into the season, this was an unprepared group and they have looked very sloppy. And so this is this is the last chance for me to take Calgary seriously. If Saskatchewan comes into McMahon here on Saturday night and steamrolls them, I think I'm going to have a difficult time taking Calgary seriously. If the Stampeders put on a good show against Saskatchewan, then you start to wonder if the Stamps are back. I personally don't think so. I just have a tough time really wrapping my head around the thought that the Calgary Stampeders aren't the Stampeders that we've seen for forever. that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X is where the A's would be and check out their producer on Instagram. He's at Tommy Fresh Music. All right, moving into the fighting portion of the show and it's draft night in the WWE. And um, I'm part of a new podcast, the Sports uh, rundown podcast on the Fresh Take Network. Find it now. Um, and I was asked, who are you excited to see on from the draft? And really, it's nobody. Um, like, there isn't really that standout, oh, this guy would be great over here. This guy would be great over here. And, and thinking about it more, I think Cesaro kind of needs a, a change of scenery. I, I think that it would be good to move him over to Raw and put him kind of in that spot. The, the one thing right now that Raw, I mean, Raw is lacking just anyone in the, the upper part of the card. But thinking about it from a Cesaro standpoint, they are kind of, I don't want to say set, but they're all right babyface wise right now. Like you have Big E who's at the top. You have Drew who is kind of in that top tier as a babyface right now. And now they're going to have a babyface v babyface thing. So I, I, maybe Cesaro isn't the exact perfect one, but I, I do think that there is room for another top tier heel over on Monday Night Raw right now. So I'll be interested to see that. I wonder if Apollo gets moved over with... Um, it just kind of feels like he's kind of hit his ceiling over on uh, on SmackDown right now. So I, I think it'll be interesting, um, at least from a, a WWE perspective. But it, it certainly doesn't have that same feel that it's had. The main intrigue for me is what kind of inclusion do we have from NXT? On the AEW side, I don't know if Sammy would have been the one who I would have picked in terms of taking that TNT title away from Miro. But I, I do, I, I, I kind of get it because you do kind of start to hear the crowd getting behind Sammy. And I will admit a lot of my trepidation around the, the, the Sammy character right now is based off of what he said in, in that interview about Sasha Banks. Now, the this is an organization that hasn't really had time to screw these kind of things up yet. Um... So I, I, I guess I should give them the benefit of the doubt that they feel like this is someone who understands what he said was not good, even a little bit, and he has learned from those actions. But it just, it, it, it kind of rubs me the wrong way, a little bit. And, and so I, I will admit that that is kind of clouding my judgment on this whole Sammy situation. But overall, it, it just, I, I don't know. It kind of felt like there was someone who could have had a bigger win, and he also kind of felt like Miro could have just continued this for a little bit longer. But 
I also don't mind it. Change can be a fun thing. Um, and Sammy is a very talented performer. So it was one of those where it's like, yeah, it's not what I would have done, but I, I'm not, I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world either. Moving to the fighting stuff. Uh, welcome to the mainstream. Oleksandr Yusik, a tremendous performance on Saturday night against Anthony Joshua. And first off, Credit to the promoters for a, a fantastic show. Um, like that, the, the the fire and the pyro and everything like that, and there's 70,000 people. It it looked like quite the spectacle over there um, in, in Tottenham. But for me, the, the main takeaway I have is Joshua just looked confused the whole fight. It's like they didn't, they didn't bring one southpaw in there for him to fight. And it was, oh, this guy's facing the other way. Oh, oh, okay huh, how do I handle that? Like he just, he never really got into that kind of rhythm and he won some rounds in the early part of the fight, but that 12th round that Yusik had where he had Joshua on the ropes, that's the round that Joshua had. And I just, I was waiting for him to get into that second gear and he never got there. And it's a bit like the, the Ruiz fight, but I do think that this one is more what Yusik did than the Ruiz fight, right? Like that, that was more what Joshua didn't do. This one was more what Usyk did do. And so I, I do think if they have a rematch, I do think Joshua wins. I still think he is one of the most talented boxers in the heavyweight division, but this is a, a big boost for, I mean, obviously it's a boost for Usyk. No one knew who he was going into this fight, but now you have people talking about him. It's yeah, this is a guy who won a bunch of belts at, uh, at cruiserweight and has now moved up to heavyweight and all of a sudden has three heavyweight titles just sitting there on his waist now. So that, that, if you can tell that story right, you can kind of propel him into the, this upper echelon of guys. And, and I think now you do the, the immediate rematch of Usyk with Joshua, and you basically have it be a tournament with Fury and Wilder, where the winners will face each other and the losers will face each other. But I I think Usyk at least can get you a few more marketable fights as this goes along. A couple other UFC 266 um, notes, I guess that didn't get to on Monday show. We talked about the main fights on Monday. Now going to kind of give some love to some of the undercard fighters. I was really impressed by Chris Dawkins, the, the heavyweight. I thought he was really quick for a heavyweight, but still had some power. I don't know if he is necessarily title challenger right away, but he's already a guy who's in the top 10. I, I wouldn't mind seeing a, a giant step up in competition for him. Maybe give him one more fight that's kind of in his tier and then see if he can get that kind of bracket buster to move up a little bit. Big showing from Dan Hooker. And all of a sudden he's getting ready for a fight next month out in Abu Dhabi now. He is going to, he is working his way into fan favorite status. He gets the setback against Michael Chandler. And I thought Nasrat Hakprast did exactly none of the things that would make you successful against Hooker. And it felt like Hooker was able to control essentially the entire fight. And that that's not that that's not how you let Dan Hooker go about things, right? Like that that's just that's not how you fight him. And so for me, that's probably it for Hackprast in the top tier. He just he clearly was not on the Dan Hooker level. So I'm gonna need Nasrat to build his repute or build his resume up a little bit more before I'm seeing him in there with guys who have numbers by their names. Same thing goes for Marlon Marais. Um, he's lost three straight now. It looked like he had Devalishvili put away, and then some very good officiating kind of kept him from closing the show a little bit, and then he just had nothing left. So it's a, a frustrating loss for him for sure. But he is one where I think you kind of got it. I don't want to say a gimme fight, but it's going to be a bit before I'm taking Marlon Marais seriously 
once again in that division. Jessica Andrade is always scary. She's always going to be one of the favorite fighters to watch. She has the highest finishing potential of almost anyone in the, the women's divisions. Um, certainly of anyone not holding a title in the women's divisions right now, but that's the problem. The people who are ahead of her, whether it be Thug Rose, whether it be Valentina Shevchenko, have beat her already. And I just don't know what other evolution she can make that is going to get her into that upper echelon that makes me feel like she can beat them again. The thing with the thing with her is she is always one flurry away from ending things. But Rose and Valentina are so technical that I just don't see them getting caught with anything from Andrade. So she is very much in a weird Rich Franklin, Kenny Florian sort of a, a, a space right now in a couple of divisions, and that's a not great place to be. And finally, Curtis Blades just can't get anything going at, at heavyweight. Like, he is he is a talented fighter, he is very good at wrestling, and people are going to boo a lot during his fights, because he he is very risk-averse at, uh, at times. This was a good win from him and a necessary win from him. Unfortunately, in the landscape we are in, if this was just a standings thing, like, he's a perfect PFL guy or a Bellator dude back in the day where you just win tournaments and you get a title shot. But part of this is the entertainment factor, and there is no one this week clamoring for a Curtis Blades um, championship match. He he is in the spot right now where the next heavyweight challenger, I think, is going to make their name off of Curtis Blades before Curtis Blades is making his way into the, the heavyweight discussion. Like, you just... And, and for Rosenstrike, like that, that was that was very difficult to watch because his advantage is on the feet, and quite a bit of this fight was on the feet. He just he was afraid to pull the trigger because of that wrestling advantage, and that's always going to be there for those guys. But it's just he he's never a dude that really can seem to build any kind of momentum. All right, that's gonna do it for the Friday show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Remember, rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. You can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I am at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. The music that you hear is provided by Wasted Talent. Also, general history podcast. Myself and my wife comes out every Wednesday morning. It is called We Had No Idea. Put a lot of work into that show, so I would appreciate it if you tuned into that. And also... Uh, on the Fresh Take Network every Thursday. It is the Sports Rundown podcast, so check that one out as well. Thank you guys so much. Talk to you all on Monday. Have a good weekend. I'm out.